Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. As we continue August and the economy, there's a lot going on in the news, and we're going to meet an interesting gentleman today who's an author and a scholar, and we're going to talk about the economy and what's happening. It's going to be a great show, and it's going to relate to real estate right here on the Real Estate Guys radio network. Hi, this is Bob Helms. They call me the godfather of real estate mostly because I've been investing longer than the average Joe, since 1957 to be exact. Back when I started out, investing was pretty simple. Even so, I made more than my fair share of mistakes. And I can't imagine getting into this game today without some help. That's why I'm inviting you to check out the Real Estate Guys Investor Mentoring Club. There are three locations to choose from, Silicon Valley, Los Angeles, and Dallas, Texas. To find out when and where, just send an email to guys at realestateguysradio.com or use the feedback page on the website at realestateguysradio.com. Tell them the Godfather sent you. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms, smack dab in the middle of a beautiful August. We're talking August in the economy this month on the Real Estate Guys. Let's meet our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Hey, hey. It's uh, been fun to uh, interview lots of folks and uh, listen to the news. We couldn't really ask for a better news month when we picked August for our uh, August in the Economy segment. There's been so much going on. We're going to talk about some of that today, and uh, we've got a great guest for you. You're going to love today's show. Uh, lots going on and lots to talk about, lots to think about if you're a real estate investor. It's been, it's for me, it's just been a ton of fun. You know, kind of as a financial strategist, what you do is you look at the big picture and try to figure out how to put yourself in a position to benefit from moves. And you see people talk about that all the time in the stock market and the bond market. And you usually don't hear real estate investors talking about that. But again, we've talked about this before, but the lesson of the last several years is real estate investors uh, are managing big portfolios of debt and cash flows, and they care about jobs and job creation, interest rates, supply and availability of capital. And a lot of that is tied up in the bond market, which is the biggest market there is. And, you know, when I was in the mortgage business, I used to spend time paying attention to the bond market. And when you start really understanding how profound the impact of the bond markets are on the entire economy, you realize that if you really care about what's going on, you better pay attention to it, which means you have to have some academic understanding. You have to understand the mechanics of how the markets are put together and why they work and what our money system is. And now with the global economy, you have other central banks, our central bank, and all this currency exchange rates and China emerging. I mean, it's, it's a lot more complex than the good old days of, I'm going to buy a house and rent it out and wait for 40 years. Yeah, it sure is. And you've got to get your mind around that. And uh, part of what our guest is going to do today is to help us with the no investor left behind scenario of really what what is money how does it work and and why and monetary policy and we'll probably talk a little bit about gold and all kinds of fun stuff uh, and you know we, we took a risk last week because uh, on the show if you're a regular listener you heard from two presidential candidates we had both Gary Johnson the uh, two-term uh, former um, governor of New Mexico and Herman Cain on the show very different guys right I mean uh, obviously Mr. Johnson is a politician has been a governor uh, was reelected as a governor, very favorable um, rating in his home state. Uh, and then we have uh, Mr. Kane, a businessman, comes from a very different background, but both had a lot to say. And what we're talking about this month is about economics, not politics. And yet it's almost impossible to talk about one without the other. I think economics drive politics. I think, you know, politicians are very tuned in. Bill Clinton's famous campaign uh, mantra from back in 1992, it's the economy, stupid. People vote with their checkbooks. You've got lots of people in the United States that are receiving some form of government subsidy from corporations to individuals. Those are large voting blocks, and so that's those are economic drivers. Uh, you have the international relationships and some of the things going on, especially in the last 20 years. In fact, a lot of that came out. Ross Perot was bringing up a lot of that stuff back in 1992 before we'd entered into NAFTA and the, and, and the trade organization. And really, uh, you see some of the stuff going on with uh, the International Monetary Fund and a lot of these international things. Now, we, you know, we got interested because of real estate and the flow of money out of the U.S. into other places, recognizing, hey, the U.S. isn't the 
the only horse in the game like it had been for so long no longer maybe the it's still the largest economy but maybe not the preeminent because you've got this up-and-coming chinese yep. economy and money is moving and when money moves it creates jobs where it lands and those jobs are people who need housing places to do business places to shop and recreate and there is a direct tie to real estate and so you know to, to be a, a real estate investor today i think it's pretty important not to think that the united states is the sole place to be and then the ironic thing is you've got people who are in other countries you know south america and europe are finally starting to have some economic activity and prosperity and they're gobbling up u.s real estate like crazy because you know their paradigm is hey the u.s is on sale and it's a great place to be yeah it sure is and of course in this last uh, week lots of news uh, along the political front so you hear that on plenty of those talk stations we're going to talk much about that although we are working on a couple more uh fun interviews so uh, <laughs> stay tuned to the real estate guys um but this week has been interesting you know obviously probably the biggest news is is the downgrade yeah so we did the show a few weeks back where we were you know talking about raising the debt ceiling and what impact that may or may not have. It didn't matter whether or not we felt that they should do it. It didn't matter. It's just if they do it or if they don't do it, what does that mean? Well, now we know. They did it. And one of the things that came out of that, and whether you say it's tied directly to the fact that it happened or didn't happen, but the big news that happened in early August was the downgrade by S&P uh, on the, the bond rating for the treasuries. Right. Well, the treasury interest rates which is a premium you pay for the use of the money, if you will, as a risk premium, that's kind of the center point of all other interest rates because AAA U.S. is considered to be the absolute safest debt you can buy. Formerly AAA. Formerly AAA. Uh, and so we paid attention to that. Well, the response to that then, I mean, that announcement came out Friday after the markets had closed. And then by Sunday afternoon, there was already articles showing up in the New York Times about how the central banks, and we're going to talk, I'm sure, later in the show about what a central bank is and what a central bank does. But what they are doing is they're, they're announcing, hey, we're looking, we're willing to do anything. We're going to fix the world's markets. Well, if you read through those articles, what, what they're really saying is, we're going to buy bonds. We are going to step into the market and buy bonds. And sure enough, within a day or two, you get to see a headline, Treasury, the, the Treasury, the U.S. Treasury comes out and sells bonds, and they sell like hotcakes. And actually, so much so, so much demand, it pushed interest rates down. Lots of people wish we had been downgraded sooner. Yeah, down, not up. And you can look, well, how could that be? Everybody said interest rates were going to go up. Well, what happened is these central banks stepped in with what we call their magic checkbook, and they started buying up these bond issues. And one of the things that was interesting, um, just a, a lesson, I think, a couple, within the last week or so, uh, there was the announcement that the European Central Central Bank was going to step in and do a $32 billion uh, bond, uh, allegedly to help Spain and uh, Italy, I believe it was. Uh, but of course, we don't know because they didn't disclose exactly who they bought, but I think 48% of the U.S. bond offering was indirect buyers including foreign central banks. And so now you get central banks from other countries buying the debt of our government and you see all these international, you know, funds moving back and forth in order to try to prop up everybody's economy. And you're sitting there, okay, so what does that mean to me as a real estate investor? Well, first of all, it means that what should have happened, which was an increase in interest rates because of allegedly higher risk, turned out to be the opposite of what you'd expect. It was right. kind of a little head fake. And, of course, the stock market had all kinds of gyrations. And I think a lot of people right now are rethinking, well, how do I position myself now What's what's most likely to happen five years from now, 10 years from now? What's the trend? Because typically markets return to the trend. And I think if you understand the system, the trend can only go one way. And we'll talk about that. Uh, and then the bigger thing is, what do I do? How do I invest to make sure that I benefit from what that trend is going to be? Absolutely. So the more you study the economy and the way that uh, economics work as a real estate investor, the better. And, and this hasn't always been the case. I mean, you always should have, but you could have done really well investing in real estate a lot of years without paying much attention. Today, you got to pay attention more than ever. And there's great opportunity because we've been through a down real estate market. There's different opportunity than there was. And worldwide, there are some hot markets right now. So just because our market is down doesn't mean every market is down when it comes to real estate. So as a real estate investor, it's super important you stay plugged into this. We don't want to lose people as we spend this month talking about the economy. Instead, we want to get your brain working so, so you can be thinking about these things. And it's okay if you don't understand some of the terminology. 
obviously we have a fairly sophisticated audience, but at the same time, used to talking about uh, NOI and cap rate and real estate due diligence and property reports, maybe not stepping back and look at the big picture. We've just discovered in our own uh, portfolios, it's made a, <laughs> a big difference to understand uh, the macro. So our, our guest today uh, is actually a professor of economics. We've been talking about uh, the economy and we've been interviewing uh, money managers and we've been uh, interviewing a couple of economists and we've been uh, interviewing presidential candidates to see where their minds are. We've got some great interviews coming up. We have Peter Schiff coming up, in a, I think, next week on the show. Uh, so uh, a lot of uh, great stuff is going on. But uh, Stephen Horowitz is the Charles A. Dana Professor of Economics at St. Lawrence University in Canton, New York. He's the author of a couple of books we'll talk about. Uh, he's also been published in several professional journals. He's a recurring guest on Fox Business Channel's Freedom Watch program and occasional contributor to PBS's nightly uh, business report blog. Let's say hello to uh, Dr. Stephen Horowitz. How are you, sir? I'm good today, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, we sure appreciate your time today. You know, I saw an article that you wrote that I thought was uh, really an interesting but simple article about money, how it works, and why. And maybe we maybe we start as as, as basic as that, talking a little bit about money and how we got here. You know, first it was real money, and then it turned into this crazy funny money. And how did all that happen? There's a there's a lot of long stories there. I think the, there's two key things to recognize when we think about money. One is that uh, no one invented money, right? Money comes out of the activity of of traders and markets, and money was one of those human discoveries that that people you know happened upon as they were trying to find better and better ways to achieve their wants. We, you know, we imagine a world with barter, and people start to trade and find it doesn't work very well. Yep. And slowly over time, they they stumble across some goods that are so commonly desired that they work well as a medium of exchange. And once we get there, and once you recognize that money grows out of that, it's the, the sort of evolution of money from, say, gold, uh, then into paper substitutes for gold, and now certainly in our own, say, the last hundred years, we've, uh, and last with the anniversary, you know, recently of the of the ending of the gold, closing the gold window, we've sort of moved completely away from sort of real money in the sense of of a physical backing of that gold. And I think one of the reasons for that, uh, the ending of the link to gold or other commodities. Is, is central banking and central banks realize that that having to have their obligations redeemable in gold meant that there were limits to what they could do in terms of their ability to expand the money supply and if there's one thing central banks like to do it's it's expand the money supply uh, it, it benefits them it benefits their the governments that they're part of and and having that gold constraint was a, was a constraint on them and, and certainly one of the reasons Nixon ended the the, the gold closed the gold window and before him Roosevelt uh, ended the link to gold domestically was that they realized they they couldn't generate the kinds of inflation they wanted to for political reasons as long as they you know, as long as people could always come in and say no I don't think this paper money's worth much I want my gold instead our guest today is Stephen Horwitz when we come back we're gonna visit with him about uh, what he sees in the economy we're gonna learn a bunch today and it's gonna be a lot of fun you're tuned to the real estate guys radio program I'm your host Robert Helms hi this is Kendra Todd winner of the apprentice and you're listening to the real estate guys the Real Estate Guys podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of The Real Estate Guys, Audible's offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook you might think about is Communication and the Art of Persuasion by the great Jim Rohn. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Most people think of life insurance as a death benefit, a big payout to the beneficiary when the insured dies. Some people think of life insurance as a savings vehicle, though it arguably isn't a very good one. But how many people think of life insurance as a cash management tool? Now that's a new paradigm. So before you think you already understand life insurance, call the professionals at Paradigm Life. They have educational resources to help you discover the living benefits of life insurance as a powerful cash management tool. Discover how to finance your own interests and essentially be your own bank. For a free report, visit beyourbank.com or call 888-510-6838, extension 116. That's 888 888- 510-6838 extension 116 or visit beyourbank.com. Hello, I'm Herman Kane, and you are listening to the Dynamic Real Estate Guys. 
Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard every weekend on this fine radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. And now the number one downloader real estate podcast on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking about August and the economy. And this week, we are privileged to have with us the professor of economics, uh, Stephen Horwitz is with us. And we were just talking a little bit before the break about money and uh, the, the changes in it. And so, so Steve, let's talk a, a little bit about the, the, obviously, when Nixon took us off the gold standard, what that, what that really meant. Well, yeah, think about the 1960s. You know, we were fighting the war in Vietnam and finding it difficult to pay for. One of the things the Johnson administration did was to inflate, to try to generate the resources. You know, if government prints up its own money, it can buy lots of bombs and stuff to, to, to pay for the war. But at the time, a lot of that money was going overseas, and overseas central banks could redeem it for gold. And certainly the, there was a significant outflow of gold happening in the late or early 70s. And Nixon, I think, and, and his advisors saw this as a problem, rightly so, and decided to just float the dollar by taking, taking away that link. The result, of course, since 1971 was a decade of inflation and, and general, uh, you know, and, and some couple recessions and general misery in the economy. Uh, we eventually kind of came back from that when we got somewhat more control over the money supply. But still, even today, as we've seen in the last decade, um, the possibility for Fed mischief from the Federal Reserve is still there because they just don't pay a price when they inflate. There's no way for, for people to take dollars that they think are worth less than they were before and signal to the Fed that we don't want them anymore. Uh, and at least even the international link to gold allowed people to do that, foreign well, central banks anyway. Absolutely. Well, and today, of course, gold is uh, at an all-time high, and yep. is, you know, and it's not a surprise if you yeah. study this stuff. I think a lot of people disconnect the two, yep. but it's really not. It's really not that gold has gone up; it's the dollar is less, isn't that right. the case? Well, yeah. I mean, I think one way to think about it is gold tends to move inversely, at least to people's perception of the value of the dollar. Right? I mean, what we've seen in the last few years is a dramatic increase in the price of gold. We certainly haven't seen those kind of rates of inflation in the United States, but the, you know, the, the Fed's expansion in QE1 and QE2 have led enough people to be concerned about future inflation that they're buying gold as a hedge, and so that's what we see. What we see is you know the price of gold going up as people's uh, concern about inflation rises, even if the actual inflation hasn't taken place yet. Now, obviously, most of our listeners are real estate investors or folks that are interested in real estate investing, and I see kind of a parallel here. And if you look at the way that that currency gets disconnected from from gold, in this case, or from real value, we had the situation where we had this big mortgage meltdown, and really a lot of that was a result of a mortgage, the promise to pay based on a real person getting up every morning and working and putting some of that income towards their mortgage. That's that's a real asset, that the house, the, the yep. property. As soon as that became a derivative and started to go, you know, in crazy directions, that that really changed the game. Yeah, uh, and I think it's really important to consider the role in, in that buildup in the in the last decade of Fannie and Freddie, right? I mean, you, what you had here and, and other policies too, but you had created a real estate market in which firms who you know originators could originate loans sell them off and get them packaged up and would end up at another bank uh, or, or another holder where, where they, everyone believed that those mortgage-backed securities would be fine, mostly because fan, they knew, or believed anyway, and rightly as it turns out, that if Fannie and Freddie ever had problems, they'd get bailed out, and that's more or less what happened. And so you had this market in which nobody was really bearing the risk of these investments they were making, and so it was very easy for banks to, to sort of, you know, may, uh, relax the terms on loans and come up with all these new, these new instruments and who needs 20 percent down anymore and then you what you get of course is people bidding as you suggest bidding up the the value of the underlying asset the homes in order to get in on the on the on the financial action but but it, but the disconnect was huge the disconnect between what people were willing to pay for those homes as a result of that those distortions in the marketplace and the real underlying value of the house as we're now seeing in the last couple of years as those prices have started to come back down somewhere close to reality you know it's the way that car sales people sell they it's all about the monthly payment it's not about yep. the cost of the car yep. right so that's exactly what happened is you had right. folks who it w wasn't about what you know the percentage of the value of the house compared to their income right. or any of that it was all about those phony interest yep. rates and and, yep. and all of that so it's yep. It's not surprising. Now, to get to retract from some of that, it's, it's been painful. Yep. Where do you think we're, we're headed next? 
Well, I think it's a that is a very good question. Uh, I, by the way, I should note that the car sales analogy is interesting. You know, imagine that. By the way, if you got a car loan to finance a car, and then the car dealer could sell off that loan to someone else, and that loan was guaranteed if it failed, you, you'd have people. You know, everybody would be driving Cadillacs and Mercedes, right? <laughs> it's, line it, it up. So it's a really good analogy. I'm gonna have to think about that one some more. All right. But in any case, to your other question, I, I think that where we had well, as you say, it's a really painful adjustment, and the adjustment in real estate prices and the associated financial instruments has meant two things. We've, we've seen structural adjustments in the employment market in two different areas, construction jobs and all these other jobs associated and, and the sort of you know, retail end of real estate have been hit hard, and the financial sector has been hit hard. And so certainly from an employment standpoint, one of the things that, that, that concerns me is that how do we make sure that this adjustment takes place and that people who thought there were jobs in those places now have lost them. We need to find ways to get them back into the labor market other places, both on, in terms of their own skills, but especially in terms of the willingness of employers to hire. And on the real estate side, I think you're going to continue to see prices fall and these adjustments take place in painful ways. And again, as unemployment stays up on the, sort of on the other side of the market, people who have mortgages are going to continue to find them difficult to pay in many places. Yeah, you know, we have this uh, theory that uh, it's much easier for someone to either pay their rent or their mortgage if they have a job. Yeah. Now, that's, now, right? so, right, so, yeah that's, that's not even Econ 1. That's Econ B. That's high school right there. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's critical, yeah. and it's yeah. one of the questions I asked both the presidential candidates last yeah. show. And, and, and I think that if you look at from the real estate investor's perspective, the whole world changed. We had the first time since they've been keeping track that median home price went down. You know, it happened right. several years in a row. And yet, so as a real estate investor, you're going, well, like Russ alluded to at the beginning of the show, real estate's on sale. Compound that with a currency exchange for someone who lives in Australia or Canada where their currency is stronger or any other yep. country that has. Now that's a buying signal. The fundamentals are that there's only so much land and it serves a basic human need. So as real estate investors, we've got to understand more about the economy than we ever had. But at the same time, there's got to be a silver lining out there. Yeah, I, I do think that there is in the following sense. I mean, as, as you suggest, right, I mean, you know, people got to live in houses. Uh, and, and, and one thing we know about markets is eventually they do adjust and, and they are resilient, uh, like, like sort of ecological systems. They'll, they'll kind of come back after a while. You can sort of imagine the analogy of a fire wiping out a forest. Eventually it grows back. But, but what we don't want to do is we don't want to keep adopting policies that make it tougher and tougher to, to grow back, that make it tougher for firms to hire, that, that reduce the incentives for people to find jobs, even if it's not the ideal job that, that they want. So again, I mean, I think it's, it's not unreasonable to see where we are right now, that there's some buying opportunities out there. You know, I think the other thing that people forget, and you guys certainly know, is that, that the, both the boom in Boston real estate was in many ways highly localized. I live in a small rural town in New York State. We never saw the boom, and we haven't seen the bust. But, you know, if you're in Vegas or, the, or South, South Florida or t some, uh, some other places, right, you saw it, right, and it was real, Arizona. Um, so I think that, that's another part of this, too, is that we'll continue to see the downward adjustment taking place in the places where those prices really were uh, artificially high. But other places are not going to see the same going to see the same effects. I see that as a critical point. We often say that all real estate is local, and when we try yeah. to have a, a national, in fact, international radio show, we've just learned we have listeners 139 countries, that there's no way we can talk about real the, the real estate market. Right. There is no real estate market, but we have to understand the big picture to then say, okay, now within that, where's opportunity? Because yeah. you're exactly right. There are some markets that have held strong. They've appreciated markets, even in the U.S. in the last few years. Yeah. There's a couple of MSAs that did not go, to go down even between quarters. Right. And Washington, D.C. Is a, good, is a good market right yeah, now. It sure is. And I'm guessing most of those jobs are, are going to stick around. I mean, there maybe is going to be some shifting, but yeah. those are going to be jobs that well, whether you think that's a good idea or not, we're probably going to have good job security in Washington. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, as a prediction, I think it's right. I think it's, 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 but the, one of the things to understand, of course, is that the very fact that there's all these, this job security in Washington as the size of government's grown is part of the reason why we still see 9.1% or whatever the last rate is, unemployment elsewhere, right? So, so the gains for the Washington area are often coming at the expense of problems elsewhere in the economy. Yeah, so true. Now, you talked about something I, I want to delve into just a little bit, and that is when we were talking about money, you talked about the political motivation to create inflation. And I'm not sure everyone understands that. Our book is called Equity Happens, and it's based on the principle that over time, things like real estate that people want go up in value because there will always be inflation in an inflationary system. Can you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, the political incentives are really pretty, pretty straightforward, right? I mean, you know, uh, central banks, every country in the world today has 
the central bank. Those central banks are to one degree or another connected with government. Yep. Um, the key thing to understand, of course, is that what one of the effects of inflation, of redu- reducing the value of the currency, is that it means that the real value of the debts you're paying back will be less in the future. Certainly, if that uh, inflation is unexpected, and you guys in your audience will certainly know this, the context of adjustable rate mortgage and, and all these sorts of things. And so there is gain to central to central banks and the governments who operate them from unexpected inflation, that is, because those governments, as we are, are extremely heavy debtors. So we have, what, almost $15 trillion now in debt. If we run inflation, the United States runs inflation, that reduces the, the real value of that debt and the real value of the dollars that, that the government will ultimately have to pay back in some form. So there is this very strong incentive, no different than the incentive that if you had you know, $50,000 in credit card debt and a printing press in your basement and could crank out 20s, you just keep, you'd keep cranking out 20s to pay off that debt. And you and, might not stop there. And you're right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and and you should know too, right? I mean, if you can do that, you can start buying up other assets too, like real estate, right? So so certainly the the, the powerful incentive for for governments uh, is to inflate. That's checked somewhat now by the international market and the ease with which people can get out of one currency and into another if the value of one drops. You know, certainly the concerns about the U.S. dollar losing its place to to the Chinese or or to the euro or whatever, unlikely the euro at this point. Um, you know, are all part of that. That people have choices now they they didn't before. Um, but, you know, it may still be the case. And, you know, you, in the opening you were talking about the fact that even though we had to downgrade, um, U.S. Treasury prices went up and interest rates fell a little bit. You know, even at, at AA by one, you know, by one organization, uh, still might be the best deal in town, right? So you never know what's going to happen when, when those things, when those changes happen. Excellent point. Our guest is Dr. Stephen Horwitz. We're talking about uh, the economy and money, and we've got lots more to talk about. And uh, we're also going to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize when we come back. This is the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. I'm Jordan Goodman, author of Master Your Debt, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Are you ready to take your real estate investing to a whole new level? Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Join The Real Estate Guys for the 10th Annual Investor Summit. It's part education, part inspiration, part transformation, and a whole lot of fun. And it takes place in four different countries. Returning this year are Rich Dad Advisors Ken McElroy and Wayne Palmer, international developer Beth Clifford, attorney Mauricio Rauld, and the godfather of real estate, Bob Helms. Plus, joining us for the first time, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, live and in person. It all begins March 30th, 2012 in Orlando. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click on the tab that says Summit to learn more. The Investor Summit always sells out, so reserve your spot today. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit or call 888-GUYS-RADIO to talk with our Summit Specialist. That's 888-489-7723. 888-GUYS-RADIO. Spend a week with the Real Estate Guys, the Kiyosakis, and an all-star faculty on the 10th Annual Investor Summit. Hi, I'm Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in. We've got Steve Horwitz with us today. He's the professor of economics uh, at St. Lawrence University in Canton, New York. Also an affiliated scholar at the Mercatus Center in Arlington, Virginia. And uh, he is a contributing editor and weekly online columnist for The Freeman. We've got um, a couple more questions uh, before we uh, let him go. But first, we're going to play Real Estate Trivia. That's a chance to win a prize. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you a Real Estate Trivia question. And you're going to figure out the answer. As soon as you know it, I want to take a guess. Send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. The first person with the right answer is going to win an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. Then we'll take all the correct guesses for the week and have a drawing for a second book. That way, if you're listening on the podcast, you still have a chance to win. Uh, Usually the radio listeners get the uh, first book. Uh, Then we'll take all those guesses that are correct, have a drawing, and you might also still win as long as you get your answer in before next week. Now, last week on the show, uh, we had both Gary Johnson and Herman Cain on the program, and our uh, trivia question basically because of the Iowa caucuses that were coming up, was named the oldest city in Iowa. The oldest city in Iowa, the answer is Dubuque, is the oldest city in Iowa. Here's a completely different trivia question for this week. The greatest movie of all time, Animal House, takes place at a place called Faber College. Here's our trivia question. And Stephen, you can't answer, sorry. Which actual college was used for the filming? 
So Faber College didn't really exist. What actual college did they use? And interesting enough, they filmed both the outside and the inside of most of the scenes here at this college. What actual piece of large real estate college? Uh, see, I'm trying to make it a real estate trivia it's question. Great. But as soon as I said Animal House, it was already real estate trivia. <laughs> if you know or want to take a guess, send us a, uh, an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and physical mailing address so we can send you the big old book. And that will be yours. That's today's real estate trivia question. So uh, a little bird told us that uh, you kind of appreciated that movie as as uh, well. Yes, indeed. Uh, all right. <laughs> I think I know the answer, too, but I'm not telling. All right. All right. Not uh, not on the air, anyway. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, kind of the big picture of, of money and, and, and economies and, and what's happening this month. And uh, we sure appreciate uh, you uh, chiming in. Steve, this has been uh, interesting stuff already. A couple more things that maybe we can talk about here. We're talking about you know the dollar and its lost value and so forth. There's folks out there that are talking about the collapse of the dollar. Yeah. What do you think the likelihood of that is? Uh, I think that's fairly small. I mean, I, you know, uh, at least in, certainly in the short to medium run. Um, I mean, sometimes by collapse of the dollar, they're worried again about the yuan or one of the other currencies sort of replacing it, yep. you know, as the international currency. And I think that's a different thing than the collapse of the dollar. That's possible, but still, look, I mean, for all the problems that we have, I think the U.S. economy in many ways remains still one of the most vibrant and productive in the world, and, you know, it's a question of whether it's kind of the analogy a friend of mine likes to use. It's like we took the swimmer Michael Phelps and put weights on him and asked him to swim laps in the, in, you know, in the Olympics. Right. Um, we're, we're still Michael Phelps under there somewhere, but we've got a lot of these weights on us right now, and, and if we could just get, get the sort of bad policies out of the way and, and free people up to take advantage of their human capital and the physical capital we have, I think we'll be fine. So I'm not too worried about the collapse of the dollar, but but it does continue to concern me that we've got all this money, all these reserves that the central bank has created uh, through the quantitative easing over the last couple of years sitting out there and the danger of serious inflation remains, remains, you know, over time at least a real one. Well, and now inflation also is coming. It is a two-edged deal, right? As real estate investors over time, I'd like to see that properties are going to go up in value, and I'd like to see the effect of inflation there. But inflation can be detrimental to jobs. There's a lot of negative about there, and it really is a balancing act. Right. You know, as someone that really studies this stuff, well, what should we be thinking about? Well, and I think you've got to distinguish two kinds of things, right? We often use that word inflation to talk about prices going up in general. And, right. And, and, you know, when prices go up because something's more valuable, genuinely more valuable, you know, that's one thing, and that's fine, and that's what prices should do. And sort Appreciation. Of appreciation, that's a much better word for it. And we've certainly seen that over the long term with real estate, right? Yeah. But when prices are rising because we're printing up more money, too much money, and people are spending it, and therefore just driving up prices, that's not a real gain to anyone. In fact, the effects that inflation has on the price system and on various parts of the economy is actually harmful and does, does damage. So, you know, I think the real thing that people want to watch for is if they're seeing say prices of real estate rise, they want to be looking and see what the central bank's doing, see what the inflation rate is, and, and sort of ask, you know, are we seeing a real appreciation here because people genuinely find this real estate, perhaps in this particular area, to be more valuable, or are we just seeing the effects of rising prices across the whole economy, or are we seeing the sort of things we saw in the last 10 years where we're, you know, adopting these, these po- policies to artificially stimulate home ownership and re- artificially reduce the costs that have, that have driven up uh, those, those prices as well. Yeah, in fact, last week we were uh, asking Asking uh, our economist guest what uh, he thought about government's role in uh, in housing, and it was interesting. He's a free market guy, and he's saying, "Well, you know, the theory there should be none, but in reality, there's going to be some, and it's just a matter about finding a compromise that's going to work." Which Okay, uh, obviously, uh, or maybe it's not obvious, but um, I would imagine that you come from the Austrian side of the yeah. uh, economic world. Am I correct there? Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. So that's different yeah. than, than maybe the current administration, and so you just have to kind of think through that stuff. And yeah. for us, we're, we're always trying to bring it down to, to how's that going to affect real estate, right, yeah. long term. We, we often think that real estate can be a, a hedge against inflation. Do you see that? It, it can be, you know. I mean, it, again, in the, if you think about in the, uh, in the long run, the best hedges against inflation are things that are going to have the things that people need or find find valuable and desirable, regard, sort of almost regardless of the economic situation. So gold's always had that value associated with it. You know, people talk about things like investing in fine art and these sorts of things that, you know, a Picasso or a Rembrandt's always going to be valuable. And I think real estate can be that way too, right? I mean, if you have the right kinds of pieces in the right kinds of places, um, that will always be valuable. And, and, you know, if you have land, you have a home, uh, you've got something that, that, you know, no matter what happens in the economy, in some sense, is still, still fundamentally valuable. So I think that that's absolutely true. 
Now, if you've not been studying economics and you've made it to this far in the show, you know, there's there's some great uh, information out there. You have a book called Micro Foundations and Macroeconomics and Austrian Perspective. Tell us about that book. I know it's now out in paperback. Yeah, it's now in paperback. You can get it at Amazon. Um, and that book explores uh, the way in which things like in how inflation and deflation happen. And in particular, focuses on the way in which what the reason that they ultimately matter is that they affect the individual prices of individual goods. And so that's the micro-foundations idea, that it's not just about, say, the price level or GDP. Rather, it's about when we have uh, too much money, say, during inflation, we end up distorting individual prices of particular goods depending on the particular path that that inflation takes to the economy. So we saw, you know, in the last decade, we've seen that happen with respect to real estate prices and, and, and the housing crisis. Um, but in other business cycles in the past, we saw other goods become the ones that become valuable. So it really focuses on this idea that we want to look at how changes in the money supply and, and, and macroeconomic variables impact on those individual prices and individual markets. All right. Well, it's sure a lot to think about and a lot yeah. to study, and, and we absolutely appreciate your time and your input today. It's been yeah. a, it's been extraordinary. If I can add one more quick thing. Absolutely. Um, if, your, if your readers are interested in sort of seeing a, a nice, I think, uh, accessible to the non-professional uh, explanation of what we've had the last 10 years, they can Google The House That Uncle Sam Built, which is a piece I wrote for the Foundation for Economic Education. Um, and it's a short, little, co glossy color thing, about eight pages. Um, don't need any expertise to get it, and it'll certainly cover a lot of things we've talked about today. All right. The House That Uncle Sam, Sam Built. Yep. You Google that phrase, you'll find it. Excellent. Well, Steve, we sure appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to uh, having you back on the show and uh, getting a chance to uh, listen to a little Rush music as well. Oh, excellent. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Happy to be back anytime. All right. Take care. Good stuff. That uh, has been uh, very uh, illuminating. Hopefully, uh, we've got your brain stimulated a little bit and uh, very, uh, very knowledgeable guy, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You know, I mean, for me, it's fun because I fell in love with all of this because it became so relevant. You know, I, I worry that a lot of people don't think that economics and macroeconomics or political economics, any of that, uh, has any direct correlation to what they do. And I personally just been seizing on the opportunity these last three years when, to me, it's painfully obvious that it does. And it, how important it is for people to really understand. I mean, he talks about the political motivation of governments who are in debt to print money and the ability through the central bank to do it. When you have the temptation, or to use the criminal thing, when you have motivation and opportunity, right? I mean, so you're, you're a prime suspect. And do we have reason to suspect that the probability is going to be that there is going to be continued expansion of the currency? Uh, and if it is, then you want to be long in debt and you want to own things that will go up because they serve a basic human need. They're always in demand. And if you can add to that leverage, meaning it multiplies your upside and it cash flows, I don't know any other investment besides real estate that puts you in a position to win in an inflationary system with as little risk and as little effort. And, and you know, people say, well, yeah, but what happened? Well, what happened is an inordinate amount of currency expansion occurred not through the printing press, but through the derivatives market. Yep. And when that started to blow up, that deleveraging had to be replaced to hold prices at a level that, that they had reached based on the availability of that expansion of money that wasn't currency. It was debt. And, you know, you, the purist is going to say, well, yeah, today our debt is currency or currency is debt. But that's not my point. My point is, is that when all that blew up and leverage left the market, the printing presses came out in full force to try to prop all that back up. As they always will. As they always will. And so understanding the political motivation or any, you know, the motivation of the Fed and the motivation of the government and the government is not the Fed and vice versa. The people who pull the levers, if you can align your interests with theirs and do what they are doing so that you win, you can't print money, but you can go long in debt. Ponder that because we're going to continue that thought when we come back. We're also going to tell you about a really cool thing we're doing, and uh, you'll be the first to know about it. So stay with us. I'm Robert Helms. We're the Real Estate Guys. Hi, this is Kim Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Woman, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. 
Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, I'm Robert Kiyosaki, and I encourage you to listen to those wild and crazy real estate guys. They're the best. They're working for years, and they know what they're talking about. Oh, thanks, Robert. Go on. Hey, I'm Robert Helms with The Real Estate Guys here with uh, Russell Gray, co-host, financial strategist. It's August and the economy. We decided this month we'd uh, devote our show to uh, what's going on in the economy to lots of different lenses and perspectives. So uh, if you've not had a chance to hear those other shows, you can go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and right there, uh, click on them and listen, or you can sign up for the podcast, better yet, and then we'll come to you every week. You know, I just want to take a second and, and kind of explain the strategy behind focusing on the economy at this particular point in time. Uh, obviously, we just had the Iowa caucuses and the GOP presidential debates and all, all of the things that are beginning as the presidential campaign of 2012 kicks into full gear. We know who the Democratic nominee is likely to be. It'd be shocking if it wasn't Mr. Obama. So the, you know, we're hearing about new ideas to come take a different approach to this economy. So we're not here to cast blame or whatever. We're just saying there's going to be a lot of talk about what to do to fix the economy and there's going to be a lot of policies made or unwound that are going to be a lot of proposals out there you're going to have to make decisions and you're going to have to make decisions you know about how you want to vote and we're not really trying to impact your vote we want you to just learn and be a be an intelligent voter but what we really want you to do is be able to understand the things that the people who are going to get in control of the levers what i call the levers of the economy because we talked earlier before the break about the concept of political motivation to inflate. we got political candidates right now that are talking about dismantling the Fed. I mean, Ron Paul took second in the, uh, in the you know, right. let's say Iowa straw poll. It's and, early. And we always know how that, that happens. But, I mean, just think about it uh, on the extreme side. If a guy like Ron Paul got in charge and actually closed the Fed down, is that a game changer? I would say that's a giant game changer. I mean, it changes, it changes the fundamental mechanics of our economic system and some people say it would mean the end of the world other people would celebrate and think it's the greatest thing ever but what you need to say is well if something like that were to happen or if we were to move in that direction because it'll be incremental what is most likely to happen and does that change my strategy that's the big thing here as you listen to these shows and as you listen elsewhere and you read the whole deal is as an individual there just ain't a whole bunch you're going to be able to do to impact Fed monetary policy and whether or not we're going to adopt the fair tax or anything else. What your mission is, is to figure out, as Wayne Gretzky would say, where the puck's going. Right. Because if you can align your interests with those of what we call the big dogs, the Fed and the big companies, and watch the way that they're moving and what they're doing, you don't have to agree with it. You certainly don't have to be on the same political side of it. But if you can see where it's going and then make sure that your real estate investing and perhaps other investing aligns with that, it makes sense. We went a couple of years ago to uh, the Rich Dad Organization's Gold versus the U.S. Dollar event. Richard Duncan was there, an economist who uh, wrote the book on the dollar collapse. Uh, Mike Maloney talked about the silver and gold and where it was going, and a lot of time uh, with Robert getting inside his head about that. And it really started waking us up to the whole precious metals market, which we hadn't paid much attention right. to as real estate investors. 
And now you see there are a lot of different things that impact what's going to happen to the economy and therefore what's going to happen to, to real estate. I think one of the greatest points that Steve made is that real estate markets are different. You know, for, for a professor of, of economics to go, it's not just the real estate market. It's every real estate market has its own uniqueness to it. How can I prospect by that? I might not like the fact that there are a bunch of public servant jobs in Washington, but I can make a lot of money flipping houses in that market right now, right? So get the difference between what you think politically and what you think economically. Right. And I think the other thing too is make a distinction between are you an investor, meaning you're long in whatever your investment class is, or are you a business person? Are yeah. you a flipper? If you're, if you're a developer and you're buying and selling real estate, if you're a broker, if you're doing transactional business, if you're flipping houses, that's a business. What we're talking about is investing, where you're going to sign on the dotted line and obligate yourself to a, a property and a mortgage over a period of time, whether it's an apartment building, a strip center, an individual house or whatever, and you want to know kind of where that's going to be 10, 20 years from now. Because if, if you don't get the right move, you're not going to get out, right? I mean, how many people are upside down in properties right now? If it's yeah. cash flowing 20 years from now, you I mean, you know, it's just my opinion, but I'm thinking 20 years from now, if you're cash flowing on a property that's upside down, you're going to be okay. Right. And I have that confidence because I think I have a pretty good understanding of the monetary system. And I believe inflation is going to happen. We overshot because of excessive amounts of leverage. That excessive amount of leverage is being dealt with. And we've markets always return to the mean. That was one of the things he talked about markets being resilient, coming back to the mean. And so if that's the case and we get back to our average five, six, seven percent annual appreciation and I can go in at 25 percent, you know, four to one, you know, leverage, then I can get 20, 30 percent on my equity cash flow, get tax breaks. Great. But I need to understand all this stuff because, again, if the system changes for some reason and the motivation of the people pulling the levers changes, then the system could change a little bit. And I need if I'm long, I have to anticipate that if I'm just flipping it's not that big of a deal. Right. Well, I need to know where jobs are. I need to know where the market is going. And, and please understand, and, and I don't, this wasn't clear when I heard you say it, when you said, well, it's not a business we're talking about this. Both are great. It's great to be Absolutely. in the business of flipping houses and rehabbing and short-term profits in real estate, but subdividing and, and, and plot, land plotting, all the things you can do to make money short-term in real estate, wholesaling, lots of things you can do. But if you're a long-term real estate investor, a collector of real estate, as I would fashion myself to own more and more real estate over time that hopefully is going to go up in value because you picked it right, it's buying the right real estate for the right reason and knowing what that's going to be. Just the, the premise that we're talking about, if dollars are going to be worth less in the future, shouldn't we borrow as many as we can now, one, why the interest rate is low, but why the value of them is different and have to pay them back when they're not as expensive? Right. Just thinking about that should have you thinking about debt differently. People are scared of debt today because, yeah, if you got in debt and you were in the heat of the market and you bought property at the peak, debt was a double-edged sword and it got you. But that doesn't make debt bad, right? I mean, I knew some guys that dropped out of high school. It doesn't make high school bad. you got to uh, separate what has happened from the fundamentals, and that's really why we're focusing so much on the economy. Hey, uh, last uh, week, a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, the, the Kiyosaki's had a great thing at Rich Dad that we promoted, and we found out a lot of you folks signed up from our, our show. They opened up the boardroom and did a live streaming event that was pretty awesome. In fact, you sat in on it. I did. I, well, I wasn't a participant. I just watched, but it was great. I sat there. I watched two hours. Wayne, who you know has been on the summit with us the last couple of years, Tom Wheelwright's been on the show before. He was there. Dan Sibley, the tax guy from uh, Reef was there, the oil and gas guy, if you will, and uh, and Robert and Kim. And they were just roundtable talking about what's going on. Of course, the timing couldn't have been better because the downgrade had just happened. I mean, the stock market was just going into major convulsions. And they were talking about how do you deal with this? What's likely to happen? And they got back to just the basic fundamentals of buying stuff that cash flows and being able to live through the vicious cycles of the marketplace. And, you know, they're approaching things from that investor thing. So a really cool thing happened. Yeah, a really cool thing happened, and that's this. They're going to do it again, and they're going to do it on a Tuesday, August 23rd, live streaming event from uh, the Rich Dad headquarters in Arizona, and the real estate guys are going to be there. Yeah, so we get to go into sunny Arizona in uh, in August and sit down in the uh, boardroom or whatever the the room there with uh, with Robert and, and uh, hopefully Kim will be there and we're going to we're going to talk real estate we're going to talk the economy and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun so we encourage you to hit the website at realestateguysradio.com 
uh, and check it out and figure out how to get signed up and join us. Yeah, so uh, mark your calendars. It's coming right up uh, Tuesday, August 23rd. Replay available. You don't have to be available. It's 11 a.m. Uh, is when it happens, uh, Arizona time. But uh, if you sign up for it, you can also uh, hear the replay, I understand. So uh, check it out, our website at realestateguysradio.com. And don't forget, while you're there, to check out the 10th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. We get a whole bunch of real estate investors together on a ship and have a week of conversations and brain exchanges and great classes. And we've got an amazing, amazing faculty. Uh, Ken McElroy will be back with us for the third year. Wayne Palmer for the third year. Robert and Kim Kiyosaki for the first year. And just ready to announce... Garrett Sutton is coming back Yay. for his second year. He missed last year, uh, but he's coming back. And, and so attorney Garrett Sutton, a frequent contributor to our show, uh, back on the Real Estate Guys Investor Summit. It is March 30th to April 7th, 2012. So you have some time to think about it, but not a whole lot because uh, cabins are going fast. So check out uh, Summit, the tab at our Real Estate Guys site, realestateguysradio.com. You can learn all the details. We would love to have you on our Investor Summit at sea. Absolutely. I mean, if you're having Having a difficult time getting your mind around any aspect of real estate investing, economics, financial stuff, if you are having psychological stuff where you're stuck, whatever, you won't be in a better place. You can't be in a better place than to be among a bunch of on-fire real estate investors these advisors and people that are doing it every day and, you know, noodling through all the issues and finding solutions. And you have a lot of time to be able to talk, absorb, contemplate, think, go to classes, journal, et cetera, et cetera. It's just awesome. It's an amazing event. So come with us, realestateguysradio.com. Just click on where it says Summit. Visit our website. Lots of stuff going on there. Hey, big thanks to uh, Steve Horowitz for his time today and, and insight. Thanks to our sponsors for making our show possible. Thanks to Chathan, our engineer, for getting us on the radio next week on the show peter schiff will be with us and if you haven't heard peter before he wrote crash proof and crash proof 2.0 and a bunch of other great books he's a money manager active in the markets a great personality a fun guy and he's going to be on our show next week with august and the economy wrapping up on the real estate guys radio program hope you're enjoying your summer we'll see you next week go out and make some equity happen this episode of the real estate guys radio show is brought to you by paradigm life Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid South Home Buyers, low cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Texas Investor Homes, discover high yield, low risk, double digit cash on cash returns through interim construction funding. Hassle free cash flow investing, creating cash flow opportunities for real estate investors with brand new single family homes in Dallas, Texas. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.